I would absolutely love to see Isabel as an influence. We need to get you set up on TikTok. I very much see a big platform for you on TikTok. And I also see a lot of journalism on TikTok as well. Mum talk. There you go. Mum talk. <laughs> Even if it's not your career, it could just be <laughs> mum content. Wine talk more like. So hi everyone, my name's Eve. I'm a project manager at Create IQ at Linklaters, formerly an associate at Linklaters LLP in London. I'm also a career influencer, so I make content online all about my journey of formerly being a law student and legal associate, but now entering the world of tech. That's Eve Cornwall. She's 24. She has hundreds of thousands of followers online on YouTube and Instagram. And she started out in her first year at university recording room tour videos. You can still see them. And by 24, she's hugely successful. Eve's part of the growing trend of career influencers who are changing the tone of our workplaces, offering a glimpse into what are often thought of as exclusive traditional firms. And I can really see the appeal of building that profile for yourself, especially when you're young and inexperienced. It'll give you an edge. But do the people in these workplaces really want to be surrounded by influencers when they're just trying to do their jobs? And honestly, how do big institutions and their older, perhaps Gen X or even boomer partners, really feel about YouTubers in their midst? Well, today on Working It with me, Isabel Berwick, we're asking how influential are influencers at work and are they here to stay? So my audience is a demographic of mostly, and actually I'm basing this directly off YouTube and Instagram statistics. So they're an audience of 17 to around 25-year-old, majoritively female watchers and listeners and engagers. Within that, there's obviously quite a few key niches. So I have a lot of law students that follow me. I have a lot of very probably type A students that follow me, and they're really focused on building better skill sets and just experiencing how other people have, I guess, approached their career and seeing what they can take from that. So very curious people. So what advice would you have for anyone else who wants to start blogging about your career? Can you be too open? Because I know you also talk about your life and you came out on a video. Mm. I mean, has that had any blowback for you or, or has it all been positive? I think in my experience, it's been entirely positive. I've always come from the legal industry. It's an industry that people often don't bring their full selves to work. It's very guised by professionalism and topics like mental health, sharing your sexuality in the workplace, your gender identity are actually really hard topics to bridge. And so being able to talk about that online is actually very empowering because when you come into the office, it feels easier to facilitate those conversations. I also think being able to share your career online is something that kind of addresses a wider taboo of not wanting to like talk about elements of your life that feel more personal and more vulnerable and it's definitely not been the easiest for me. Recently I made a video about how I've actually left legal practice. I'm starting as a product manager within the tech industry. I'm following a real passion and enthusiasm but that was very difficult because it's actually going against the primary focus of my channel for many years which was entering the legal industry and trying to be an associate. But the response to that video was a huge amount of empathy, people just relating and thinking, hey, actually, I'm in my early 20s here. I have no idea what I'm doing. And actually, someone is finally speaking about this. We're not all perfect. We all have things that we want to try. And actually, starting an online conversation about that allows a lot of people to find community and I think find identity as well. So I can attest to the fact that Eve is hugely popular in her generation. My 21-year-old daughter's a massive fan, has been following her for years. 
But in industries like law and finance, these new influencers are rubbing shoulders with senior people who are not in their core demographic and probably haven't heard of them. So what do they think about it and does it even matter? To talk about this and a lot more, I'm joined by Akila Kinio. She's an FT graduate trainee reporter and she's written about lawfluencers before. Akila, welcome. Thank you. What does the industry more widely make of these lawfluencers or career influencers who enter professional jobs? So I think HR people love them. Law firms struggle with attracting recruits and retaining them. But I think one of the potential problems comes from the fact that because this relationship between the influencers and the firms is so new, it has not been formalized yet. So the lines are a bit blurred. Typically, if you think about a regular influencer, if I can call them that, you know, they might sell clothes and it will be really clear for the viewer that it's a sponsored sort of ad they're watching. Whereas if an influencer is employed by a law firm and they're raving about it, the viewers might think that they're just watching someone organically rave about their firms. But there is also a commercial relationship there because these influencers are employed by the firms. They're essentially watching an ad because it's not disclosed in the same way that a sponsored deal would be. And then the second problem is that these influencers are effectively doing marketing work, but they're putting themselves out there. They're the ones whose whole life is online. And so if something happened, it's not clear who would take responsibility for it. So they could be in trouble rather than the firm. So I think that's one of the interesting points. And I know I've seen emails from Magic Circle law firms sending out wide emails to the whole cohort of new joiners, asking them if anyone's got a platform, if anyone's got followers, and if they'd like to partner with them. So HR people love it. But it's essentially an emerging new area for everyone involved, actually. Yeah. And it seems to be really popular as a hiring tool. I mean, in your article, which I'll put in the show notes, it's clear that these law firms are getting loads of applications from people because of these people like Eve and many other people who are putting YouTube videos out about life in a law firm. Yeah. So I don't know if they're choosing a career in law because of the influencers, but it definitely affects which firm they'll pick. So where Eve works is seen as a really inclusive place because she talks about being queer and working there. And I think that really looks great for link leaders. So that's interesting. So the FT took you on as a grad trainee. Yeah. There are some companies, aren't there, where the recruiters look for social media presence. Mm -hmm. Is that something you've come across in your peers? Yeah, I am Gen Z. I have tweeted about 10 times uh, (laughs) in my life. So I do always wonder... Should I be putting out this TikTok to kind of talk about my reporting and, you know, promote my brand? But I don't do it. And I know a lot of journalists are really active in TikTok and they get jobs out of it. They get book deals out of it. Yeah, I think it's a work in progress for all journalists and creatives. In fact, people in all industries, including law. Mm. And it's interesting that I talked to Eve about why she thinks it's time we take influencers seriously. I think it's definitely and continues to be a working conversation. I think often the word influencer actually has a lot of connotations with it. And people think of the beauty influencer, the lifestyle influencer, which all in their own right are absolutely fantastic things to choose to do. But people don't think about the wider good influence that online content can actually have. And so all of these connotations meant that it was very hard to prove that you're doing something online for maybe a slightly different purpose and that you saw really good influence in the way that you were able 
able to speak to a demographic. I think it's also unlocked a huge audience because if you actually think about a lot of corporates and companies and traditional firms in London, their graduate market is between the ages of maybe targeting students from 17 all the way up to mid-20s. And suddenly there are people talking online about their careers and they're engaging a very core demographic of exactly those followers. And so there's actually a real positive outcome in people being able to speak about their careers and then that translating into a pipeline of graduates then following those careers and feeling like those spaces are more accessible. So Eve's point about accessibility there I think is important because it's amazing to think that until very recently, these huge law firms or banks and finance institutions seemed veiled in mystery and only the privileged few, the kind of people who thought they should get a job there, understood what went on behind the office doors. But I also think there is a risk for the influencer. So Eve shows everything online. She has no qualms about taking off her corporate mask. You know, there are no boundaries. Could that social media presence put some employers off? Is that a risk, Akila? Yeah, of course. There could be a clash between the employer's values and then some old tweets that someone's put. Or there's also a compliance risk, especially in really highly regulated industries like law, because when you're entering a commercial partnership with a brand, you know, there could be conflicts of interest if you're then representing someone else. And I do think when you're at work, like negotiating a contract or something, you sometimes don't want the person in front of you to know everything about you because you want leverage, you want to have your poker face on. And that might be hard when people can see what you've had for breakfast that day or can see the inside of your bedroom and who your partner is. I'm not talking about Eve specifically here, but there are a lot of work influencers with different styles. And some of them really do mix personal and and work. So it it is a work channel, but then they would do Q&As with their girlfriends. So you know, that's just out there for everyone to see. And the question is, do you want your employers to see that? And they might not fire you, but they do have all this information about you. So if you had a conflict with them, they also could use that against you. So, you know, these are things I think we should think about. Yeah. And I talked to Eve about her relationship and influence with the relationship generally with employers and future employers. I think there's a really interesting part of that question, which is the assumption that the key audience I'm trying to entertain is only a future employer. And I think I very much see both my full-time traditional job and my content creation of equal importance in my life. And so as much as I think, yes, I want to go into future interviews and come across as a professional and have all my key experience there, I also think there is as equal importance and value in what I speak about on the internet, which I don't see as a hobby. I see as, you know, a real part-time focus that I invest a lot of time into. I think also it's an increasing thing for Gen Z to be able to reflect on these things online, maybe not to the level of exposure that I give myself. But whether it comes to people writing small posts on LinkedIn, whether they have small blogs or whether they have an Instagram highlights reel where they talk about that industry. I know, for example, without creating content, I wouldn't be here in the studio today and I wouldn't have a lot of the industry contacts that I have and a lot of the opportunities that I have. So I very much see my nine to five job and my content creation job of equal importance. And therefore, it's, as she said, just finding a balance to make sure they work together. Akilo, I think Eve's really outlined some of the amazing positives of what she does. But 
I wanted to talk about some of the other things. So, for example, how would colleagues feel if you're working with an influencer? What if you're a shy person who doesn't want to get on social media? How are your peers feeling in these industries? How do you feel around it all? Yeah, I mean, I think it can be hard because these people and their platforms get used by firms and they get invited to talks, they get invited to represent the firm. And you might not want to do that, but you equally might feel like you should be doing it and that you should be putting yourself out there to advance your career. But at the end of the day, the people who will progress are the people who are good at their jobs. And also, I think it's important to remember that these influencers are trainees or newly qualified associates and they are still learning all about law and they don't know much. It can feel like these people are getting ahead faster and you do learn skills from being in front of a camera. You learn presentation skills that might help you network faster, but that's not going to help you learn the law. And would you say that there's an element of having to have a personal brand and bring your whole self to work and be on all the time? Is that perhaps in some way contributing to a kind of always-on culture that is leading to burnout for some people? Yeah, of course. It's a lot of pressure to sustain. And it also means you have to be positive all the time. You have to, you're have meant to communicate all the time and you're performing. And I think that's probably why there was a big wave of work influencers who are now quitting their big corporate jobs. And they find that they actually can't sustain both. And when they have to pick... They prefer to pick their creative careers and flexible careers rather than do both. And sometimes it comes as quite a bit of a surprise when you've seen all of this branded content where they're raving about their perfect lives and then suddenly you get kind of blindsided when they tell their audiences that they're quitting. So we need to be careful about glamorizing productivity in the first place. I find this a really fascinating topic. I had come from a generation where we were able to forget the mistakes we made when we were first working, but the internet forgets nothing. And that's another huge burden that's placed on people who are coming into the workplace now. Learning to navigate it and master it is perhaps a skill that we all need, and especially those young people who live their lives on the internet. So I think influencers are here to stay. And as Akila said, it's up to corporations and organisations to learn how to manage it, live with it, exploit it, and make it part of their corporate DNA in a way. Not everyone wants to be an influencer, but for those of us who are not, I think there are very few downsides in working alongside people who can use social media in this incredibly creative way. Thanks to Eve Cornwall and Akila Kinyo for appearing on this episode. And if you want to hear more about Eve, just type her name anywhere in the internet. You are sure to find her. And please do get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. We're at workingit at ft.com and I'm at Isabel Berwick on Twitter. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Working It is produced by Novel for the Financial Times. With thanks to Anna Sinfield, the producer and executive producer Joe Wheeler, with editorial direction from the FT's Renee Kaplan and production support from Persis Love. Thank you for listening. Listener.